All right, Steve. It's Friday. It's Aloha Friday. It is Friday. Friday. It's Aloha Friday. So, all right, folks, I have been seeing you in the comments. Thanks for hanging with us while we reach this point. We're just going to start rolling through these. Uh, Some of it is in response to the things we were saying. So Jeff is going to have to defend some of his bad takes along the way. And I don't see anything questioning my great takes, but that's not true. There's stuff in here. I'm just not looking very hard. (laughs) We'll just start. Damon Rice starts (laughs) us off on the right note saying Aloha. I say Aloha. I got my family. Fancy, snazzy, new I love Cincinnati that, Reds Aloha shirt. I found it on eBay, brother. I went shopping. <sighs> That's nice. uh, it's, like it's, that. It is. It came off. It came out really good. I'm super stoked. All right. Too many buttons, though. Too many buttons. That's, it's a lot of buttons, but it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> you know, we didn't talk about this. Uh, the hardest part was seeing the Reds drop to the seventh pick. Yeah. We did not talk about the draft lottery. And, you know, of course the Reds were not going to come out ahead in that. They're, they're the Reds. <sighs> Uh, you know, Something, they were supposed to yeah. pick fourth. They ended up picking, uh, getting the seventh pick. You know, that is going to make a bit of a difference as far as which player is going to be available. Uh, you know, it's a bummer, but it is what it is. And in the grand scheme of things, uh, this is not the NFL. This is not the NBA. There is no guarantee that your first round pick is going to make it huge. Uh, we've got guys on this team right now that were first round picks that have not made it huge. And I won't call them out by name right now, Nick Senzel. But we're just going <laughs> to... We're just going to have to hope that whoever they get at seven is a player that can make it and can stick and can make a difference. I have seen, and I don't necessarily know what this means right now because I'm not super well-versed in what the draft looks like at this moment, but I have seen reports that this is a what they call a seven-player draft. They think that there are seven bona fide dudes, which means that the Reds are just on the fringe of that because they said there's seven bona fide dudes and the Royals who picked number eighth kind of got boned a little bit out of that. So we'll, we'll have to see exactly what that all means. We will have lots of uh, different folks on to talk about the draft between now and then. Obviously, that's not going to be till I believe it's once again going to be during All-Star Weekend. So um, looking forward to that. But I know that uh, Lindsey Crosby over at Lockdown MOB Prospects and our friend Jeff Ellis up at Lockdown Guardians, they know a lot of stuff about the draft, and we'll be talking a lot to them between now and then. All right, Jeff. Damon Rice uh, wants to know who has won a World Series with this strategy that Nick crawl is laying out, like, you know, give some hope here about this strategy actually ever having proved successful. Well, I mean, honestly, the first one you think of is the Astros. The Astros don't spend that big on free agency. Like even look right now, if you look at Astros Twitter, they're kind of mad because they wanted Wilson Contreras. He went to St. Louis. They kind of wanted Justin Verlander back. He's now in New York. They thought about Jacob deGrom for a second. He's in the other Texas team, so that's got to hurt a little bit more because he's going to be in division. The the Astros did not build themselves through free agency. They built themselves from within and supplemented with trades and free agency. So, and that's a great distinction. The Astros did it, do it exactly this way. And then when they got to, you know, just needing that little extra bump, you know, they found the success. They found the wins, which put people in the stands, which gave them extra revenue, which allowed them to sign a few guys and spend some money. And and the hits just kept on coming. Uh, they they built from there. But how they how they turned the corner and got successful was following this model. Tampa is the same way. How they got successful was by following this model. And you know, they had some World Series disappointment and they've had some playoff disappointment, but they were in. The playoffs. They yeah. were in the world. The Guardians using this model. Cleveland yeah. is the next example of not they spending a, a ton of money. Away. 
exactly a couple swings away an extra inning long ball away you know right so it's it's just it can be done and it it, and you know to damon's point i understand where he's going with this is that like well who's won the world series you know you have to be willing when the time is right to then spend a few dollars to fill whatever position didn't pan out but you know for me i think success can be found following this model and something else that we didn't mention too, with the idea that this off season, the strategy is just about making sure that the young guys can get to the major leagues is that next off season, they have no guaranteed money on the books. So they can take a look at the roster and see, okay, who's panning out, who's not panning out, who do we still have to evaluate and things like that. And they can make just about any move they want to make next season because there's no guaranteed money on the books right well, t- and what you're talking about is they're at 70 million dollars plus a little a little over 70 yeah, million dollars plus in payroll now Votto and Mustakas both come off next year so that's automatically cutting 30 what 30 26 36 and everyone else 40, is arbitration 41 million dollars yeah. is going to come off of just those two guys's contract so you know there's money to spend so that's why, and that's the that's the key distinction too, because obviously, yeah, you you think seventy million based on one hundred twenty million from two years ago, and you're just like, well, why aren't they spending some big money? I think I look at this and I say, okay, it, it makes sense as to why. Um, golly, I started a thought and I have lost it. You have definitely lost it. <laughs> All right. The point is they're going to have money to spend. They don't have to do it right now. They need to get these young prospects up to the big league level and then figure out where their holes are and supplement them. Uh, if you if you think of it, Jeff, we'll circle back. Uh, Scott Campbell checks in. Scott says, aloha. Aloha, Scott. It was so great to meet you and your family out at Red Fest. Really enjoyed that. Thanks for always tuning in. Debbie Brown wants to know, Jeff, why the Reds need so many catchers. Debbie, they got rid of everybody. The only catcher on this roster uh, after the 40-man roster juggling occurred was Tyler Stevenson. He was the only one left. Uh, They need some uh, insurance in case a person gets hurt. And quite frankly, they need a boatload of catchers out in Goodyear for spring training in order to catch all the pitchers and get them up to snuff. So some of these guys may not even come close to sniffing the big league field uh, but they do need a lot of guys that are able to catch uh, at least through the end of march when spring training breaks and that's the key too when you see a guy get signed as a non-roster invitee there is a little bit of us that we're going to try and figure out how to get excited about the guy but in a large part non-roster invitees are there so that Tyler Stevenson doesn't have to catch every other day. And so that Joey Votto doesn't have to play every other day. And so that you don't have to actually throw your guys who you know are going to be out on the roster and get them all tired before April even rolls around. So there's there's just a lot of roster filling that goes along with some of these guys. That's why when we look at you know the guys that just don't have that much major league experience, that probably is just the Reds saying, yeah, we're, we're getting a body in here. Dave Pemberton checks in, and it was great to see Dave out at Reds Fest also uh, when I was in town. It was great to see a lot of these people. I had so much fun at Reds Fest, Jeff. It was so much fun. Dave says, what catchers do you think this front office would spend money on that would be a serviceable backup that we uh, didn't roll our eyes at when we see them in the lineup? Uh, Dave, they're not going to sign any catchers that aren't going to make us feel that way. They already have catcher number two, and I don't think they're going to add. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I think. 
in a hypothetical scenario, they would look at a guy like maybe like a Mike Zunino, although Mike Zunino might actually be a little bit too expensive, maybe more like a Omar Narvaez type dude. But again, we've, we've mentioned his defense is not necessarily of the best caliber. So then you're looking at guys that are defense first and light hitting and, and stuff like that. So I don't necessarily know that there is a catcher that they could look at. I think that's one of the reasons that they kind of doubled down and said, okay, Tyler Stevenson is getting unlucky with himself. It's not that he is a brittle catcher. And then they're going to add Luke Maley just to kind of be a backup for 30 or 40 games or something like that. And then maybe you bring up a Chucky Robinson or Johnny Pareda for five or six games, but overall they're going to give that ball. Tyler Stevenson said 110 to 120 games before he really starts to break down. And I think that the Reds are going to test him on that and they're going to give him that opportunity. So if, if Luke Maley, Miley, Maley, Luke, <laughs> I can't do it. Jeff. What's his name? Maley. Luke Maley with Luke <laughs> Maley. Listen, guys, if you haven't heard me struggle with this, I just want to defend myself one more time. His name is Miley in Hawaiian, and I'm having a real hard time reading it and not saying it correctly. So I apologize. Uh, I, I will get this before the season starts. But if you heard uh, Tyler Stevenson's interview with us, at one point he talked a little bit about Luke. And it's like, you know, whether it's me catching or whether it's Luke catching, you know, this is how things are going to work. So I think the determination has already been made that Luke is going to be catcher number two. I, that's what I took away from what Tyler had to say. So I think we just need to embrace that for 2023. You know, maybe in 2024 things get a little better. Maybe Matt Nelson or Daniel Veyohin makes an appearance on the big league roster, and then we have a different conversation. But I think right now, that's probably the group of catchers we're moving forward with. I agree. All right, let's see here. Uh, Scott Campbell says he just wants to keep up with the Cardinals. That's probably not going to be the year for that. Uh, you know, sure. maybe, maybe we can kind of hold our own, but I think that we are probably got one more season in front of us of, of looking up in the division at the Cardinals and the Brewers, I, I think, and maybe the Cubs. Who knows? Let's see here. Sorry, I didn't scroll enough far ahead. I tried to do this it's so okay. that we don't have dead air, but I didn't do it. Let's see. And the Cardinals themselves are, are looking at, like, the Mets and stuff. So I, yeah. I think for us to keep up with the Cardinals, it doesn't mean that we're just keeping up with them. Listen to Davins. If if Ellie's on the 26 man, I'm traveling from where I live out west to see him play. I am with you, Damon. Uh, listen, by the way, I'm already uh, I have secured my travel arrangements for opening a week in Cincinnati. That is going to be a party. Uh, I can't work. Jeff and I are putting some great stuff together for, for that week. So uh, more news on that as we get closer. But I'm excited. I can say 100 percent for sure. I will be in town and it's going to be great. I've gotten some response to on Elliot de la cruz like i think there's been a couple of folks that are just like are we fabricating this are we blowing it out of proportion is it are we actually hyping this dude up or are we overhyping him like no i think we're hyping this dude up like he's literally going to be amazing uh, i i firmly believe we are looking at a dude who's going to be a staple in the middle of the lineup for many years and he's going to show that to us this year maybe not his first week or two in the in the league but make no mistake about it. Every level he has touched, he like adapts very quickly. And then he sets that league on fire. Like I, I can't wait to see him do it at the major league level. And I expect it's going to happen sooner rather than later. 
Debbie Brown says she's going to be at the Cardinals Reds game in June. It's going to be fun to see the young players. I think by then most of them will be here. So Debbie, I think you're right. You're going to get to see a lot of the young players. David, the Castellini's trend centers with a new successful strategy. That's a big ask. Well, it's not a new successful strategy as we just told you uh, with the Astros in Tampa, but to your point, that's true. And Hey, did you tell the people while I was away, Jeff, that, you know, we had our little moment with uh, the SOB that's, son of bob phil castellini that, no. did you did you mention <laughs> listen folks i'm going to tell a story because jeff and i are riding the escalators and listen the feedback i'm getting on this whole sob thing is fantastic and i'm, I'm <laughs> thinking about making t-shirts but i'm pretty sure that phil castellini one knows who jeff and i are two knows that i said that because we passed him on the escalator at Duke Energy Center and he double taked Jeff and I both and gave me a death dagger look as exactly like Jeff is showing you. Um, so, hey, mission accomplished. I got under his skin. What can I say? Well, and I wanted to, I, I want this to be a distinction too. I think that there is an element and I'm going to be accused of being overly optimistic here, but I think there's an element of Phil and Bob taking their hands off the reins a little bit here. I think that this is them telling Nick crawl, look, this is how much money you got. Go do something with it. And this is Nick crawl's plan. I don't think this is the Castellini's plan at all, because I think if it were the reds would have gone out and made a big signing during the winter meetings. I think that, yeah, Nick crawl is like answering some detractors, but I think he's also showing that, no, this is how I'm going to run the team. This is Nick crawl's plan. This is not the Castellini's plan. <laughs> Scott checks in. Uh, will I get a second round versus Phil at the Reds caravan? I don't think Scott Campbell is going to be allowed to attend the Reds caravan. You guys, if you were listening to the Red, the Red reporter during Phil Castellini's appearance during Red Fest, you'll hear some like booing report. and some stuff. The, yeah, the radio report. And uh, yeah, Scott, Scott let Phil know exactly what he thought of him. You know, good on you, Scott. <laughs> tell you what uh the quirky picker chad i wonder if this is a chad we know i don't know thinks the Reds should have lost one more game i think jeff does too you guys because he enjoys being at the ballpark for history and that would have been history so you know i think he had a whole emergency podcast planned for if the reds broke their losses in a season record it was going to be a long post-game video i'll just say that but yeah it was uh quite an interesting and, and yes, uh, it, Chad, it's hard to argue with you when you look at the fact that, well, the Pirates, who had uh, better chances than the Reds, had they lost one more game and gotten the Pirates' chances and the Pirates got the Reds, would they have been flipped? Hard to say yay or nay, but and you kind of wonder. And that number one pick would have looked nice. Damon's throwing comments at us, man. He, he's, he wants a shirt like this for golf season. You know, it's a great idea. I am going to... I am going to wear this puppy out to the golf course next time I go. Uh, I'll wait till it snows. Know, like, I'll wait till it snows yeah. in Cincinnati. That doesn't matter. My game's terrible. So <laughs> I'll just wear it anyway. I'll do it on the first great big snow in Cincinnati, and I'll post pictures of me out here at the golf course by the ocean where it's 75 and sunny. Wow. Jeff's <laughs> Look at making snowman. <laughs> Look at me. I, I live where David, there's no winter. <laughs> David. Damon also says, don't the Astros have the number eight payroll? And I don't know. I'd have to go look it a up. A lot of that. That sounds, that sounds right, but they didn't. They, they, they started spending money after they ran this play and after they turned a corner and got successful with tons of young talent. 
but a lot of that is locking up their own dudes too. And that was something that uh, we had a comment a while back. We did an episode talking about the reds emulating the Braves and locking up their young well, guys early here, before you go further into this thought, Dave Pemberton yeah. checks back in asking about your thoughts for extending India and Stevenson. So, you know, I know that's where you're going right now. So yeah. continue. Yeah. Because uh, doing the Atlanta thing and locking up their guys early Atlanta has a pretty big payroll. Like I think it's close to 200 million or something like that. And it's all because they've locked up their guys. Sure. They signed a couple of free agents and things like that, but like the, the contracts they gave to Altuve and the contract they gave to Bregman, the contract they gave to, you know, their, their big starting pitchers and stuff. That's where their payroll got so bloated. And that's, what's going to happen with the reds. Like, I don't know that we're going to see everyone locked up, but we're going to see 120, 130, 140 million. And it's going to be because they lock up India. They're going to lock up Stevenson. And to be honest with you, the thing that would get me the most excited this off season is if they did sign one of those guys to a long-term deal, or if they signed, you know, Nick Lodolo or something like that to a long-term deal this off season, I don't know that that's in the works, but I kind of hope it is. Uh, I agree. I, I think there's some problems in doing it this off season, mm -hmm. just in as much as, Tyler Stevenson was There's hurt so much. Risk. Jonathan a India was hurt so much. I think both of those guys kind of put got to put a, a prove it season together here in 2023 before we look at that. Sort of as far as the yeah. starting pitchers go, it would not hurt my feelings if they signed Nick Lodolo to some crazy extension right now. I saw enough from him. Yeah, uh, and and and, all, and probably truthfully, Hunter Green as well there towards the end. I think both of those guys have proven to be uh, pretty legit. But you know, a pitcher we didn't talk about. Uh, Jeff and Dan Edwards is uh, wanting to hear a little information on Vladimir yeah, Gutierrez. True. And I'm a little, I'm a little, I don't know. I really think he's going to end up being a bullpen guy. And I don't know. I don't know what uh, his, his health status is going to allow him to be coming right out of the gate. That that's, that's the biggest thing with him. And, and it kind of sucks for him personally because he had some terrible luck with the timing of his injury, because now I don't think we'll see him. If we see him at all, we might see him in August, maybe September. Like it's not going to be a big chunk of the season. And by that point, the reds are going to have to make a decision. Do we stretch him out at this point? Is our rotation set at that point? I don't know that it'll be set set, but you know, will we, will they have five healthy guys whenever Goody's coming off the IL? So I think that, yeah, you, you're probably talking about, a bullpen assignment for Vladimir Gutierrez, which is such a bummer because him being out of commission when he is, is literally the worst time because 2023 is going to be a super prove it year for this roster. And there's going to be a lot of guys that prove that they can stick. And he's just not going to have that opportunity until later on. And by that point, it is probably going to be a bullpen appointment. And let's not forget, he does have an option left, I think. So, I mean, uh, worst case scenario, after his rehab time ends, they can just send him down to Louisville and think about and have him be like in, a six in 20, or seven 2024. Yeah. If he, if someone gets hurt, he can step up. I, I really think, I really think bullpen is ultimately where he's going to end up, especially given the amount of talent that's in the system right now at starting pitcher. I think if Vladimir Gutierrez is smart, you know, what we saw from him, his stuff in the starting rotation wasn't really anything that just blew us away. He had some right. good moments. He had some, he had some shining spots here and there, but you know, not like Nick Lodolo, not like Hunter green, not like Graham Ashcraft. Uh, I, I think his best bet is to work on two pitches and be a, a phenomenal bullpen guy. 
I'd be honest, and, and I, I haven't uh, haven't dug into this to really know, and maybe this is something that I'll do, but I'd be honestly surprised to see if he looks better than Justin Dunn at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're a little bit higher on Justin Dunn than I am, so I could mm-hmm. totally see a scenario where it's Vlad versus Justin Dunn, and I, mm-hmm. I would take Vladimir Gutierrez. Listen, I said I wonder if we know who the quirky picker Chad is, and we do. Jeff, look at this. It's Chad from Lancaster, ah. Pennsylvania. Uh, we haven't heard from Chad in a while. Chad, thanks for checking in. Uh, if the Reds keep trading away players uh, when they get good, he says, uh, for more prospects, when will the team ever be great? At some point, you have to keep guys and pay them, right? Well, yeah, you have to keep a face or two of the franchise. But if you're taking these good players and bringing in four quality prospects, two of which stick, if you get a 50% success rate on your prospects that you're bringing in via trade, uh, you continue to grow out this roster and there's always great talent on it uh, for this model to be successful for the reds to reach a point where they can spend a few dollars and fill some holes. There's going to have to be a churn. We're going to have to not get attached to people. And I think you can build a competitive playoff team with this model and not have to sign more than two or three guys to bigger deals. Uh, you know, I think we're, we're looking realistically at the reds locking up one of the pitchers long-term and one of the position players long-term and then churning and filling everybody else along the way uh, to try and build a winner. I think, I almost think that they might sign two apiece, like two pitchers and two position players. But again, it's, yeah, it's not the whole team. I, I look at this and I, I think of the Rays, and this is why we keep saying the Rays model. It's not because we're looking to spend exactly as much as the Rays do. We're trying to operate the team the way that the Rays do and the Rays are successful year in and year out. Plus part of what Nick crawl did, he acquired guys that are ready to go in the next couple of years. He also acquired guys like Edwin Arroyo and chase Petty, who are probably going to take three or four years before they're ready. So you have waves of prospects. You don't just have one wave and then you're like, well, I don't know what's going to happen after that. Well, we you haven't got- even talked about Philip Connor, right? Or Connor Phillips, Connor Phillips, Connor Phillips, Cam Collier, guys like that. Like yeah. those are, those are the next wave of guys. So yes, the whole point is to have multiple waves and, and the draft is going to be a huge thing. This is the reds. And I've said this before, but this is the reds betting on themselves and whether or not they can live up to the scouting and the development side of things, but they just have to put as many darts in their hand as they can to throw at that dartboard. Sorry, I'm reading some of these comments that I'm not going to put up on the screen, but they're great. Um, (laughs) Scott Campbell wants to know if we can have a locked on Reds group outing at Great American Ballpark next year. I think that's definitely something that's in the works. Uh, Somewhere around June, I think, guys, I know I'll be back for opening day. June is probably the next time I'll be in town. So I'll coordinate with Jeff. We'll, We'll get something put together for you guys, even if it's a meetup beforehand or afterwards or you know, we'll, we'll come up with something and, and we will definitely uh, toss ideas out there for you all to weigh in on before we decide to do anything. I think a good baseline for that idea would be the Budweiser Bowtie Bar. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that would be a solid meeting place. Like, just, I mean, I don't know, have everybody buy like the cheapest ticket possible and then we'll all meet up there. You know, we'll, we'll work it out, though. We'll work it out. Sure. You know, so uh, I, I still see some guys with a lot of frustration in the comments and I'm, and I'm not, I'm not going to filter them all out just because they, they're not happy. And, you know, Greg Hughes clearly is upset with the reds right now. And I listen, Greg, I don't blame you. You know, 
you think they're never going to be good under Castellini. And, um, you know, he deserves that label. Both Bob and Phil deserve that the fan base feels that way about them. And I am not for one minute trying to say that they don't deserve it and that it's it's wrong. I just think that they've now taken enough of a beating that maybe they'll get out of the way and let the baseball people baseball a little bit uh, within the confines of the budget. And I think Nick Kroll can do that. I think he showed us last season he can take his marching orders, but he can also work quality baseball deals. And if he can work quality baseball deals, he can make this team be competitive. Uh, once you make the playoffs, anything can happen. We've mm-hmm. seen that time and time again. Right. So he's just got to qualify for that last wild card spot and anything can happen. And I know I, I hear, I can feel everybody rolling their eyes right now that, Oh yeah. Qualify for the final wild card spot. Well, that's where it starts. I think that can happen as soon as 2024. And then you start talking about division titles as these guys get better and better and better. And yeah. Are they going to start trading those cats? They are. It's, it's a, a sad reality. There's a ladder that they're climbing. And as much as we want them to be at the top rung tomorrow, it's just not going to happen. They, they've got to go rung by rung. They've got to get to the point where they're ready to play. And I, I, I feel for everybody that's frustrated because, I mean, I go through certain spurts with this where it's just like, oh, my gosh, why on earth do I root for this team? But I never have that question for very long. I just I love the Reds. And I understand that under this owner right now, they've never done anything. But I think the biggest thing that this current ownership regime can do, like you said, Steve, is just get out of the way. Like, I understand that we all want them to sell, but we are not going to convince a a group of people to give away the investment that they currently have. So how can they make the investment work for them without getting rid of it? They can just get out of the way and let Nick crawl and let the people that he has brought in to help him do baseball things, do baseball things. Debbie checks in again, and I think she shares a, a feeling that a lot of people do. You know, a, she says it's hard to not get attached to players like to get attached to players. She said she's still mm-hmm. grieving uh, losing Luis Castillo. I mean, you know, Jeff's got Luis Castillo on the wall. That picture behind the mic stand right there is an autographed Luis Castillo. You know, we all love Luis and. Baseball is just not this way anymore, guys. We're not going to have a bunch of career decades long Cincinnati guys that don't ever go and play anywhere else. I think those days are mostly over. There'll be a few. There'll be guys they lock up, but we're going to have to get used to this new model. And I understand that that's hard given the amount of years we've spent getting attached to guys and, and, you know, following our favorite player. But, you know, I think as we all learn to just root for our favorite team uh, and whoever happens to put the uniform on that day, uh, we're going to find a little bit more happiness as the win totals continue to grow. And it sounds like we're trying to sing Kumbaya and be shells for the team, but we're not, we're literally just saying, look like Reds baseball is something to be enjoyed. And if you're going to turn the game on every single day and be like, well, sell a team, Bob, then how are you going to enjoy the game? Like, I just want you all to enjoy the game the way that I do. And and that's kind of, it's where I'm thinking, like, I'm, I'm hopeful that this plan works out. I'm not saying I think it will, I'm hoping it will, but this is the plan that is going to happen for this Reds team. The plan is not going to suddenly change and they're going to go out and sign 300, 400, $500 million contracts for nine, 10, 11 years. That's just not going to happen. 
for the Cincinnati Reds, they're going to have to find other ways to be viable. And they think they have an idea to do that. So why am I going to crap on the future that I do not know what is going to happen? Let's try and take a few more of these, Jeff, before we uh, wrap it up. We're coming up on the one hour mark here, but, uh, Austin Boley checks in and wants to know our thoughts on Jesse Winker being back in the national league central. I have some thoughts about this. Uh, he is now a member of the Milwaukee Brewers. Is he going to be a Reds destroyer? That's absolutely what's going to happen. He is going to come into great American ballpark and go four for four with five home runs. That's what's going to happen. I know that that's statistically impossible. He's going to find a way to do it. Uh, I just am envisioning this moment where, you know, Jesse just shows up and does great, amazing things and becomes the new, I don't know, Ian Happ or becomes the new Christian Yelich that he, he'll learn it while he's over there playing with him. I, I have fear about this. Uh, I don't like it. It's very interesting because depending on who you ask, there's two very different thought processes on this. Cause I'm with you. I think that Jesse Winker is probably going to show out. He's going to figure it out and he's probably going to do it against the reds. The nice thing is the reds now play less games against the division rivals, not like a ton less, but a little bit less. But on the other end of the spectrum, if you listen to uh, Brandon Stein over at locked on brewers, he's not convinced. He thinks that Jesse Winker is going to be a one and done. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, he thinks, thinks that he, he, can... he, Brandon, yeah, Brandon Snyder thinks that, uh, so he's looking at this and the moves that they have made that the Brewers are low key moving into a sort of rebuild. And he thinks that Jesse Winker is a placeholder because he becomes a free agent at the end of this year. It could be interesting. I, I mean, there was some speculation that Jesse would try and come back to Cincinnati, um, for a lot of reasons. He has a lot of personal reasons to get back to Cincinnati and, you know, I, I don't know that I would support that move, but I, I, I listen, I want Jesse to have some success against everybody, but us, he can, he can be, you know, hit 900 on the season. As long as all of the outs come against the reds when he plays them. I, I mean, I, I really yeah. want good for him. I, I just, yeah. I, I, I just, I, I was really disappointed with how his season turned out heading out to Seattle and, you know, the things that came out after the fact were a little disheartening. Um, and I hope that uh, that was just a little bit of circumstance getting in the way of his baseball. There are Seattle people that said, yeah, you remember the Jesse Winker trade? No, 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 no. Sorry. The Eugenio Suarez trade. That's exactly Didn't how that see that out. coming. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Uh, Ray is asking about uh, Tyler Stevenson get extended. I don't, uh, I don't think it will be in the next year. Ray, I, I, I think he's going to have to play an entirely healthy year before they they look at extending him. Well, I, I do think, I mean, a year from now, we could be talking about that, like beginning of December. So off-season off season yeah. 2023. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, within, I can see that. If he within, plays a healthy healthy season in 2023 before 2024 starts, you know, I think he's definitely a candidate to, to, to get extended. And if you didn't watch that interview, there's a two-parter guys jump back in the archives and watch both of those. It's great. Um, I did tell Tyler Stevenson to jump off a waterfall and I'm sorry. I am hearing, <laughs> hearing from you guys on social media. I wished I could have reeled it back in as soon as I said it. I, I, it was Chad Dotson, Hunter green vibes all over. I understand. I know. I know. Don't you sorry. remember? You're not supposed to go chasing waterfalls. Uh, Ouch. No, I, that I, is where we're going to end our live Aloha Friday for the day with Jeff quoting 
lyrics from Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls. <laughs> Thanks so much for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day and for joining us for our live Aloha Friday edition of the show, folks. Uh, you know, we tell you this every time we do this. Uh, it is so much fun talking baseball with you all, taking your questions, taking your comments. Follow us on Twitter in between shows. Uh, I'm at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. Jeff's at Jeff Carr with three Fs. Uh, we love the back and forth. We love hearing from you. Send us your questions. Send us your comments. And uh, we will try and get to as many of them as we can. Coming up next week, more off-season coverage. Maybe the Reds will make a move. Uh, maybe they won't. We'll just have to wait and see. But if they do, the one place you can be sure to find out about it is right here, Jeff. Right here, because we will be locked on Reds every single day.